Good morning. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Romans 13, 7. What do you have here, young man? Those are the uh, oh. Okay, and they are located where for pickup? June's event calendar on the front pew. Thank you. Thank you to Jared for filling the pulpit last Sunday while Pastor was away. Um, tonight, we, it says we resume our study in the Gospel of John. However, we are in summer recess on that, so we are going to be doing Dr. Sproul's Dust to Glory series. I don't know if we're going to get through this this summer. It's, it's pretty long. I think there's, what is there, about 20 of these, of these cassette tapes there. Um, if you saw the picture of Dr. Sproul on the back of this, you would know that this is not new. <laughs> but it's great stuff. Um, overview. I, I have seen at least part of this uh, years ago, and he moves along pretty fast. But it's a, it's a great overview. Um, so... Come out and be with us at 6 uh, this evening, and uh, we'll be benefits of Dr. Sproul's uh, ministry. He's, he's home with the Lord now, but um, left a lot of material behind, so uh, you'll, you'll, you'll benefit from it. Choir rehearsal tonight at 5. Is that going to happen? I didn't think that was going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, <laughs> no, choir, no choir rehearsal tonight. Scratch that one off. Baby bottle. It ends next Sunday. Wow, that seems like it just started. Okay, baby bottle ends. So if you haven't uh, taken one and you can find one, take it, put some money in there. Bring it back when it's full. The, the technical ending is uh, next Sunday. But, or, or take it today and fill it for the next Sunday. <clears throat> Prayer meeting Wednesday at 7. You can see Andrea's telephone number there. We talked a little bit. Uh, June's social event will be this Friday night, the 15th, uh, at the U.S. 23 Drive-In. Uh, it'll be an animated film. Sign up today if you're planning on going so that you um, uh, can get the kind of caravan to, together. So, so get your June social event uh, calendar and then try to sign up uh, today if you're planning on attending that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, both sides? Okay, thanks, Sheila. Um, children's church class begins today with Jess and Mercy. Is that going to happen? Uh, with Rachel and Lydia. Oh, well, scratch those two names out. <laughs> Rachel and Lydia. Great, thanks. And attention to the nursery workers. Changing, changes are coming to the programs, and we need two more uh, volunteers. See Jolene. Uh, let me see here. Do I have my other page? Days of Praise booklets are here for the next quarter, along with Acts and Facts for June. Of course, those are free. Make use of those. SGBA Family Conference begins the 21st of this month. Uh, information available on the foyer table. That's directly behind me and the helps board. Uh, are we racing through 2018? Wow, family conference. I haven't even hardly thought about, and in camp in about a, in about a month, camp. So uh, 
Laura will be focusing hard on that, and uh, that's that'll be ramping up. Um, do you have people for camp? You, do you? So okay, I'm, su I'm surprised you haven't had that kind of pitch out. So uh, if you're available, uh, kind of come and go, or you need full time all week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you can help with camp. Laura's waiting to hear from you. Uh, if you'd like to contribute to the nursery makeover, uh, there's a wish list on Amazon. You can see the information there, and you'd be happy to help in that. All right, what else have I forgotten? Our scripture for meditation this morning comes from Titus, the second chapter. Read verses 1 through 15.
let's stand and open our service together. Ken, can I ask you to open today? Almighty God, we come before you this morning and uh, giving thanks. We, we do have much to be thankful for. We give thanks for your love, for your mercy, for your blessing. We give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ and for his redeeming work for us at Calvary. Help us to be ever grateful, ever thankful for that redeeming work and keep our focus on him. Father, as we meet here this morning, we, we may be small in number. We may even be called a, a remnant, but we're believing that we are your remnant. We belong to you. We're just a small group of like-minded believers that have a few things in common that we love the gospel and we love the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask your blessings on us here this morning as we gather and we, we pray for Fred and the message that he brings. A prayer for our pastor would be that he would ever keep him faithful, faithful to preach the truth of your gospel. Father, we do desire the truth. Keep us from division. Give us unity in the faith, unity in doctrine, unity in love, one for another. We ask you to continue blessing to this church, supply the spiritual needs and financial needs. We ask you blessing on us here as we gather, and we ask and we pray in the name that's above every other name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your red hymnal, the red trinity, and turn to 711, 711 in the red.
special uh, favorite, Sheila. <clears throat> Excuse me, a favorite hymn. Mm -hmm.
Scripture reading this morning is Romans 13, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 10, 1764 in the Pew Bible. Would you please stand and join us in the reading of Romans 13, 1 through 10. Reading from the NIV in the Pew Bible. <clears throat> Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of what one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. May God add his blessing to this holy and inspired scripture. Take your brown hymnal once again and turn to 572, 572 in the brown.
Our scripture text this morning is found in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Daniel, chapter 3. I've changed the sermon, that's why the scripture verses are changed. I'm going to talk today about the joy of worship. I'm going to save the message on the joy of America for the 4th of July uh, series when we get there. But as we begin, look at, let's look at Daniel 3. And in beginning at verse 1, we'll read a few verses here. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and he set it upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So... The satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn of the foot, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down. And they worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing <clears throat> furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king, they neither serve you, your gods, nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately 
into a blazing furnace, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We'll end our reading <coughs> at that point. As we come to today's message, let's ask the Lord to be our teacher. Holy Father, send forth your spirit to teach us the truths of what it means to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I might add to worship you and only you. Not the images of men, not the thoughts of men, not even our thoughts of God that might be estranged from your word. What we think you are had better agree with what you say you are in the word of God. We're not entitled to our imagination. I pray that you'll help us to see that. And it's not like you have not spoken. You have spoken in your word. What is the Bible but the word of God to declare to us what the nature of God is and the nature of man and our need of God and his salvation. With all that in mind, we ask that you will be with us, that you'll be present and bless us by your spirit to be our teacher. For your glory, we ask these things. And in the name of Jesus, the Savior. Amen. Yeah. First thing we want to look at this morning is worship conduct. Worship conduct. And under that, now you don't have this bulletin outline in, in your in your bulletin this morning because I've changed the message, so it's not there. <laughs> but if you want to know, I'll go through and I'll list the points where you can write them down. Number one, God demands of his creatures that we worship him and him alone. The whole tension between Moses and Pharaoh over the release of the Israelites from servitude had the worship of God as its core issue. When Moses and Aaron first arrived in Egypt, they went to the Israelite camp and they presented their credentials as God's deliverers. And they did so with signs and wonders, you will remember. And we are told, and they believe, this is their presenting themselves to the Israelites who are captives. And they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. Exodus 4, verse 31. By the way, if you look up the Hebrew word for worship, that's what it exactly means, to bow down, to bend the knee. The very next verse states, Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, 
Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Truer words were never spoken, right, by a pagan king. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get them back to work. Exodus 5, 1 to 4. And they were building these cities for the pharaohs, you see, their hard labor under the hard whip of the taskmasters. This was their first confrontation with Pharaoh about the Israelites being released that they might worship God in the desert, which resulted in Pharaoh saying to his taskmasters, get this now, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out, let us go to sacrifice to our God. Make the work Harder for the men <coughs> so that they keep working and don't pay attention to lies. Exodus 5, verses 7 through 9. The expression used in our day would be doubling down. Doubling down. Which means that rather than Pharaoh complying with God's command to release his people from servitude, that they might worship him, he doubled their trouble and his resolve by intensifying the ardor of their labor. His reasoning, work them so hard, get them so tired, so sore, that they will not listen to anything Moses and Aaron have to say, which, by the way, are lies anyway. And from this point on, the whole institution of the multiple plagues sent against Egypt centered around Pharaoh's reluctance to release the Israelites to worship God in the wilderness. Then say to them, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you have not listened. Exodus 7, verse 10. Well, he didn't listen then either, and the result was that the Nile was turned to blood, and all the fish died, and there was quite a stench throughout the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. And if you refuse to let them go, I will plague you and your whole country with frogs. Exodus 8. Verse 1 and 2. Well, the frogs came. <laughs> we read the Nile will teem with frogs. They will come in, into your palace, into your bedroom, onto your beds, into the houses of your officials, and on your people, and into your ovens, and into your kneading troughs. Exodus 8, verse 3. And of course, that's what exactly then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the water and say to him, this is what the Lord says. 
let my people go so that they may worship me. You see the great emphasis here on worship. And if you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and on your officials, on your people, into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies and even the ground where they are. Exodus 8, verse 20 and 21. Well, you know. All of this continued throughout the entire ten plagues. The promise for Pharaoh to free the Israelites was always that they may worship me. That they may worship me. The refusal of Pharaoh to comply with this premise. Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. I will not let Israel go. Exodus 5, verse 2. That's the way he always responded. But with each successive plague, Pharaoh's learning curve was being reduced. What he didn't know about the Lord, he was learning the hard way. <laughs> right up till the last plague in which God sent the death angel to kill all the firstborn of Egypt, including Pharaoh's own son. Oh, then he learned real quick. We read he summoned Moses and Aaron and commanded, Up! Leave my people, you and all the Israelites. Go! Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said. And go! <coughs> oh, and then this one little phrase we hardly ever read. Pharaoh said, Also, bless me. Whoa. Exodus 12, 31 and 32. When they exited Egypt, the Egyptians gave them gold and silver and clothing to hasten them on their way. And the scripture says that the Israelites plundered Egypt. It's as though they conquered it's as though they conquered the Egyptians. They went away with the spoils of Egypt. Now what we learn here, first and foremost, is this. We cannot worship God in Egypt. We cannot worship God in Egypt. There are two reasons. God had told Moses, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Exodus 3, verse 12. What mountain? Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he had the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of Remember there is where the appearance of God appeared in the burning bush. So this mountain was already holy ground, sanctified by the presence of God himself. And where God is, holiness is. Well, that's the first reason. And the second reason is that God called Israel out of Egypt to worship him 
To worship him was that Egypt, and then and later in the prophetic writings, Egypt stood for the world. Before servitude, the Israelites lived in the province of Goshen, of which we read, the land of Egypt is before you, settle your father and mother and brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. Genesis 47, verse 6. Wow, cream of the crop here. Let them live in Goshen. Not Shantytown. Not Hobo Haven in some remote thicket somewhere. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. May I say the best that the world had to offer. If you've ever seen the Egyptian exhibit that sometimes tours the United States in various museums, you will recall how opulent the Egyptian culture was, richly bedecked in gold and silver and precious stones, intricate tapestries and the like. Everything the world adores and values, without God, of course, was there in that exhibit. Joshua said to the people, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. Joshua 24, verse 14. Stephen, in his sermon to the Jews of his day, rehearsed God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. But he pointed out as well, our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Acts 7, verse 39, verse 40. How quickly, wow. They forgot what was in Egypt. And the question to ask ourselves is this, have we left Egypt? Have we left? Or having left in the past, have we returned? The allurements of the world are material and they're sensual and they're appealing and they're powerful. We may think we have entered the promised land, but we have not. Abraham and his immediate family did not view the world as their home, even the promised land. Why not? Let me read it for you from Hebrews. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Hebrews 11 verse 10. Or again, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, referring to the Old Testament saints. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Now, people who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. Now, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. 
Ur, Chaldees, Egypt, the two countries that they were in and left. They would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Hebrews 11, verse 13 and following. Ur of the Chaldees was not that country. Egypt was not that country. Palestine was not that country. Assyria, Babylon were not those countries. America is not that country. And how many professing Christians have come out of Egypt and have since gone back into the world? I say professing Christians. They are immersed in the culture instead of being a light the witness to the culture. Our church should be full of worshipers of God, but instead people are worshiping at the temple of other gods. Commerce, pleasure, personal family, work, entertainment, all the tentacles of the world's octopus reach out to hold us fast. Yet it's so subtle, it's so seemingly natural and innocent that we're not frightened anymore by the depth of sin to which the sea creature drags us. John, in writing of the Revelation, says, Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power. In one hour, your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and they'll mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. What cargoes? Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, <coughs> cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and bodies and souls of men. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Whoa! Whoa! Oh, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Revelation 18. That's our world, brother. That's the things that we put great, great stock in. And then verse 20 of that same chapter, Revelation 18, verse 20, charges believers, rejoice over her. That is the destruction of this worldly temptress. 
Rejoice over her, O heaven. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she treated you. Who are these who can rejoice at the destruction of Babylon? Verse 4 and 5 answers, Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. If you're still part of Babylon, when judgment comes, you will perish. You will perish, no matter what your profession of faith. Israel, whose heart was more in Egypt than in the promised land, rejected Moses, disobeyed God and turned back into the wilderness from whence they came. And none, none of that whole generation ever entered the promised land with the exception of Caleb and Joshua because they were still unbelievers when it came to God. They were still lovers of Egypt in their heart, though they stood in the promised land. They worship lesser things and reap the judgment of God. God is looking for what Jesus told the Samaritan woman. Here it is. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, verse 23 and 24. He says the worship must be in truth by his Holy Spirit. Else, it's just as Jesus told the Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, blind Pharisees. First, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Matthew 23, verse 25 and 26. Now there is joy, great joy, in worshiping the true God of heaven and worshiping him in the way that he demands. And we read about it this morning. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Babylonian captivities under Nebuchadnezzar's day. It's all in Daniel 3. But what can we say of these three men? Well, for one, they had the spirit of discernment to recognize idolatry when they saw it. As we read this text, we discovered that Nebuchadnezzar erected an image of gold 90 feet tall. Can't even conceive of that. Do you know that from the ground to the bell tower top of our building is only 50 feet? That's 50 feet from the ground to the top of our bell tower right here. So that's another 40 feet that Nebuchadnezzar erected this. And it's made out of gold. Nine feet wide in the plain of Dura of the province of Babylon. And he gathered all of his officials to the site and he made this proclamation. 
Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the pipes and all the kinds of music, flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Daniel 3, verses 4 through 6. Talk about government intrusion into the religious beliefs and practices of its people. Nebuchadnezzar was using all the power of his office to coerce his people to worship what he himself had set up and approved. It was his attempt to establish a state religion that left no leeway for personal conscience personal conviction. Incidentally, Kim Jong-un is the god of North Korea. That's how he's viewed. We ought not to forget that. And so Nebuchadnezzar, you will worship my image or you will die. That was the decree. There's no ambiguity here. There's no loophole. There's no concession. Bow or burn. Here's your choice. One of the joys of worshiping God is the ability to recognize when the secular government tries to divest us of that freedom by sheer force of legislation and government intrusion, which violates not only the First Amendment of our Constitution, but it violates our conscience as well. A 90-foot statue on the plains of Dura is pretty obvious idolatry, isn't it? You're not going to mistake that. You can probably see it for miles. But the Israelites that refused had a spirit of spiritual discernment. Secondly, they had the spiritual fortitude not to go along with the crowd. Spiritual fortitude. Discerning, yeah. But what about resolve? Fortitude. Daniel's three friends were singled out by the Babylonian officials of Nebuchadnezzar's administration, verse 8 and following. At this time, some astrologers came forward and they denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O oh, king, live forever. You have issued a decree that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing fire. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. And we read, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. Daniel 3, verse 8 and following. I think what is significant about this is that this protest made by the astrologers was after an initial blast of the musical instruments signaling the decree to worship the idol. 
Therefore, verse 7, as soon as they, the people, heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language <coughs> fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Daniel 3, verse 7. Poor sheep being led to the slaughter. Not knowing, not caring. That is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10 verse 31. Or as Jesus put it pointedly. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, verse 28. <laughs> How absolutely stunning it must have been to see all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fall to the ground to worship Nebuchadnezzar's image and then see three small framed Jews still standing erect <laughs> amidst the prostrated throng and they're standing there unafraid. Thousands on the ground. Three people standing out like a sore thumb amidst the crowd. Is your resolve such that you will stand to worship God against the trend of the crowd? The crowd who has sold their soul to the devil for some temporary peace of mind. And it really is only temporary because the edicts of the world today will encroach further on your faith tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that. Paul put it this way, 2 Timothy 3 verse 13. Evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving, being deceived. You get it? It's downhill, spiral. Paul is saying, you know, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. If you can't handle this persecution at this point, what's going to happen when the persecutors increase and intensify? <clears throat> And that's the third point, that joy and worship is found in the spiritual strength not to comply with evil edicts, evil edicts of influential people. <coughs> the spiritual fortitude not to be a crowd pleaser. Nebuchadnezzar was not one to be dismissed lightly. He had sent his armies into Judah, laid siege to Jerusalem, attacked it, leveled it to the ground, slaughtered hundreds of people, taking captive the rest, of which Daniel and his friends were some of the captives. Zedekiah, the king, was captured and his sons executed before his very eyes, and then his own eyes were put out, 
and he was led away as a humiliated and beaten prisoner of war. So the last thing he saw with his own eyes was the execution of his own sons. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Not Mr. Gentle. Not Mr. Merciful. You offend him, you die. What then would Nebuchadnezzar do to these three defiant Hebrew servants? Well, Mr. Magnanimous gave them a second chance. Let me read it for you. I'm paraphrasing. May you, maybe, maybe you boys didn't, didn't quite understand. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or, or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, here's his magnanimous, when you hear... The sound of the horn, the flutes, the zither, the lyre, the harps, pipes, and all kinds of music. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? Oh, I love that. He's challenging God. You see, I'll throw you in the, in the furnace and cook you. <laughs> and when that happens, what God's going to rescue you? Daniel 3, verse 14 and 15. Now, the original order was issued from the lips of a herald, we are told. But this time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are summoned to a face-to-face Confrontation with the king himself, and this is what happens. If you have the spiritual fortitude not to go along with the crowd, the next thing that happens is the enemy will bring out the big guns with the intent that you and I can be intimidated to knuckle under to such intimidation by the sheer magnitude of the authority before whom we must give an account. Forget the herald. This is the king speaking now, guys. Here's their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Either way, whatever happens, come what may, we're not knuckling under to your intimidation or your threats. You know how at times that you are confronted with a decision that you just, it just doesn't seem right. And the party making the proposition will say something like, well, take a little time to think it over. No, no need to give your answer now. 
We'll talk later. But these three Hebrew men didn't have to think it over. They knew God and God's will concerning idolatry. And king or no, or longer time and no, that would make no difference in their decision. They had the joy of knowing their minds and being at peace with their defiance of the king's wicked edict. Sin doesn't get sweeter in time. Rather, it becomes more rank, begins to stink. Say, yeah, but what did it get them? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar stoked the furnace seven times hotter than usual, and then he cast these men into it to be burned alive. Well, that's the fourth point, the ability to give a good confession or testimony for your faith. And King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, uh, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, oh, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound, unharmed, and the fourth, the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and prefects and governors and the royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Daniel 3, 24 through 27. So yeah, pastor, but it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes God's people are killed. That's true. But you know, these Hebrew men considered that, did they not? The God we serve is able to save us from it, from the furnace, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king, but even if he does not, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. In the case of Paul before Emperor Nero, Timothy writes, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Paul's writing. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me Nero's execution by sword. Is that what he says? No, he says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. And as we know from history, Nero had Paul beheaded by the sword. 
There is joy and peace, brethren, for those who worship God that defies the conventional worries and fears of those who worship lesser things. Nebuchadnezzar's faith was in a, a 90-foot image of his own construction. Big, bold, impressive, intimidating to all. Intimidating to all except three Hebrew children who knew and loved the true God of heaven. Do you know him? Do you know him? Let me ask, when the fires of hell lap at your feet, will you fear men or will you fear God? Today's your hour of faith. Today you're called upon to turn from your sin and believe in that Son of God who was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego their Savior then, and your Savior now, if you will have him, if you will repent and believe. And believe me, the fires of hell are far more horrendous than Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. There is no end to the fires of hell, as there is no end to the joys of heaven for those who know Christ. Our Lord Jesus, save whom you will this day. Our world tantalizes us. It has its gold and silver and precious stones. And the allurements of the world tempt us to forsake God. Sell our soul to the devil for a few. What will eventually be trinkets. But, O oh Lord, I pray that you will save whom you will. Show us the glory of Christ. But to have Jesus is to have his kingdom, is to have it all. He calls us brothers and sisters. He's prepared a kingdom for us who know him. And when the devil took our Lord to the temple heights and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, I'll give them all to you if you will bow down and worship me. Christ had the discernment and the love for God enough to know that we should worship God and worship God alone and not some creature like the devil, no matter how attractive he looks or what he promises. He's a liar, you taught that, a liar and a murderer, and he's been so from the beginning. Lord, deliver us from the snare of the evil one. Grant us the faith and repentance we do not have and bring souls to Christ this day. Amen. Our closing hymn is from the hymnal, the Brown Book. 575. 
that's a unique hymn. The hymn writer is praying that God will protect us no matter where we are, land, sea, air, that he'll watch over us and care for us. And that's the person that we trust. Those were sea uh, hymns. I don't, know, I don't know if you know that. But a lot of times the authors of the hymns would write sea hymns because of the perils of the sea. And that was back when they were out there in these little small boats with sails on them and all those kind of things. And so they would pray for the sailors that they'd make safe voyages to and from. Now, there's a danger that we have in sailing the seas of this world, the seas that the devil throws up to us. And the peril is far more than just drowning. The peril is hell's fires and destruction. And so to pray or to sing about that is marvelous indeed. Well, may the Lord bless you uh, with his word today. And we thank you for all being here. Thank you. We're dismissed.